Brought to you by Make Fun Network. Disclaimer. Please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make. We are not historians. We are idiots. Anachronismo. Anachronismo. I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Noel. Hi, I'm the guest. My name is Rob Mulligan. Yeah, hey, welcome on, Rob. It's uh, it's great to have you. Ah, oh, I'm so excited to be here. Hey. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to give yourself give a quick intro of who you are? Yeah. Uh, hello, my name is Rob Mulligan. I'm on the Adventure Incorporated podcast where we uh, play. A, we're playing a four-year-long game of Dungeons and Dragons. I can't even believe that. This past year, we went to Dragon Con, had a live show and everything, which was really sweet. So uh, you can find me at adventureinkpod.com. Or if you go to Improv Boston randomly, I'll probably be doing some sort of show there, too. Nice. So. Yeah. Well, welcome on. It's, uh, it's great to have you. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. I yeah. love to talk about history. Awesome. So, yeah, what history are you talking about today? Uh, so, I, <laughs> I messaged, when you asked me to be on the show, I was like, all right, does it have to be a serious history thing? And no. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and I was I, like, yeah. I, I was like, I can talk about the Troubles in Ireland, I guess, or I can talk about DC Hardcore Punk. And he was like, that one. <laughs> I like, uh, technically, I said, either one will be fine. Okay. <laughs> Well, I heard uh, that. But one. I, but uh, I, yes, the undertone was like, uh, with the weird, obscure one, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was the DC hardcore punk. Okay. The one we won't feel guilty about making jokes for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't. The kind of uh, evolution of the hardcore in the early 80s sure. to 90s and From. how it, like, kind of evolved from to, ape to man from ape to man and it's like sort of political mindset and yeah. how it kind of influenced that yeah, way. at first it was like rocks are good and then it was like solidarity where the working class is good honestly yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool uh, and I'm going to be talking about Fruitlands. It was a <laughs> Fruitlands. I'm already delighted. It was a utopia in Massachusetts in eighteen in the 1840s. Um, it is very succinctly summed up by Louisa May Alcott, the daughter of the man who led this utopia, as saying as describing it as. They said many wise things and did many foolish ones. <laughs> Classic utopia. Good quote. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful quote. Now, here's here's the thing. Just treat everyone right, and I'm just going to punch this guy because he is wearing a hat I don't like. <laughs> that hat does sort not of. belong in this utopia. <laughs> but we are all in agreement. That on. is a dystopian hat. <laughs> Actually, Jackie and I uh, took an Uber yesterday, and the guy had... This is just talking about uh, non-utopias in Massachusetts. Salem, Mass. Uh, he had just come from a ride there. Mm. Oh. <laughs> but he was like trying to, he was like, yeah, they did that. They had the witch trials like a hundred years ago. And I didn't correct him, but I was like, man. That, yeah, that's, the that's 1919 witch trials. <laughs> Wait a minute, there's a plane in the sky. The reason we had the Roaring Twenties was because we finally got rid of all the curses. That's <laughs> <laughs> the roaring of witches burning. Uh, uh, last time I was in Salem, I it was like during like the bazaar of the bazaar, and there was a and like it's like what is that? It's like a big street fair where like yeah. everyone's got these vendors, and like there's all these like 
weird witchy things being sold. Like, and there's would also you like some tarot cards. Exactly. Like, basically. <laughs> exactly. I'm a witch. Yes, and there's also people like dressed up in costume that you can take your picture with. And cool. my favorite thing I saw that day was a man with like a big long white beard and wearing a full like elaborate wizard costume. Clearly like a wizard to take your picture with, right? Yeah. And also just as clearly on a cigarette break. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> you shall not pass. I'm on break. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Rob, take us away. Yeah, sure. So, in the, like, 1979, punk was kind of going through this, like, weird transitionatory... Transitionatory? Transi- transitory. Nope. Tra- transitional. Transitionatory period where um, <laughs> things were starting to branch out a lot more. In uh, 1978 or 1979, the Ramones came to D.C., and played at a club called the 930 Club. And it just blew everyone's goddamn minds. Everyone was like, holy crap, punk is now the thing we're going to do. <laughs> and uh, a bunch of bands kind of spawned out of that. The first one I'm going to talk about is a band called Bad Brains, which is they're super unique because they are a completely all-black band. That's a huge oddity in, like, the punk scene, period. Mm-hmm. And they also started as a jazz fusion band <laughs> named Mind Power. And then they like saw a couple punk shows. They're like, nah, that's what we're going to do. Um, I like the consistency in their <laughs> name. Mind Power to Bad <laughs> Brain. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was a good, which is also a Ramon song. That's why they changed their name. And they, yeah, they went from being like really like good music. Well, they're still good musicians, but yeah. they were like really like technical. Like they went to yes shows and were like, I'm going to do that too. But then went and were like, nah, faster. Uh, <laughs> and um, they uh, formed their whole band and started to play at the 930 Club again. Their first single has a tremendously great name. It's called Paid to Come. <laughs> How is that spelled? C U M. It is exactly what it is. I have a quote here about why he named it. Like, the reason he named it that way, uh, the lead singer, whose stage name is HR, which stands for Human Rights, <laughs> which is kind of badass. Yeah. Uh, I think it stood for something else, and he was like, nah, it's not for this now. They changed their mind a lot, as you can yeah. tell. <laughs> like, you know, they adapted, is the positive way of saying as that. As any good, bad brain does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a little bit of a parallel in my story. One of the guys involved, his name was abram woods and then because he wanted to show that he valued nature over society he changed his name to woods abram <laughs> that's a badass move right there uh, yeah <laughs> then a man was like chopping down a tree and he just punched <laughs> my name will now be tree punch sorry punch tree, tree. <laughs> Uh, yeah, see, he, there was, the song was, quote unquote, not allowing yourself to give up and be peaceful. I came to know with no dismay that the world we all must pay. We pay to write, pay to play, pay to come, pay to fight. And I was like, why didn't you name it pay to fight? That seems more punk rock. Well, is but punk also, about war or is it about love? Or is it about it's just... like more like life is suffering. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, that's 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 fair. That's yeah. fair. And yeah. sorry, mom and dad, for this next joke. So it's not about nutting. <laughs> nope. Well, okay. it is. You paid a nut, which should it was just the better name. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism get, makes you pay. Get a HR nut. on the yeah. phone. Get HR. <laughs> Human rights. You know that title you've been looking for your for your song? <laughs> Call well, it paid to nut. <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> But they're so Bad Brains is interesting for a couple reasons. They are the origin of the term mosh. 
Mm. Oh. So they had a song, I think it was called like Mash or something, but uh, HR had a Jamaican accent. And so everyone was like, he was like, mash it up. But everyone was like, mosh it up? And they're like, yeah, mash it up. And we're like, okay, we're going to mosh. And that's like how that term came to be. Interesting. Because oh, it was so cool. always known as like slam dancing and stuff. Yeah, I remember slam dancing. Oh. It's yeah. the same thing. Sorry, I don't remember slam dancing. I remember reading I books. I remember slam about, dancing with I remember reading books written before mosh came about about cyberpunks who would slam dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that That's I, such a bizarre sentence. <laughs> imagine, even though it's not, they wouldn't have uh, called this slam dancing. I'm just like, I remember when Howard went to that great marsh on Normandy Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Pain to come is my favorite bad brain song. Pain to fight. Pain, pain to come, build to fight. <laughs> And uh, the other notable thing about HR is um, he had a weird brain disease called SUNCT, which is nicknamed Suicide Syndrome. Ooh. Yeah. He, so their band, they were like really tumultuous. Like they'd release something and then break up and release something and break up. And HR was like, I think he's like also a borderline schizophrenic too. Mm-hmm. So he has like a lot of issues, mm-hmm. um, but also is plagued with like brutal headaches and has become a Rastafarian and has changed a lot of his life too. And if you watch interviews with him now, he's like the chillest, nicest dude in the world. He's just like, there was like a documentary released yeah. about them and he was just like, oh yeah, I know Usher. <laughs> no Usher. <laughs> like, yeah, he was in a band with me a while ago. I was like, what? <laughs> You're like 25 years older than him. It's like, yeah, we were in a band back in DC. You're like, all right. <laughs> Whatever, HR. (laughs) So that brings us kind of more to 1980, where another band that more people will probably know, uh, Minor Threat, uh, was formed. And Minor Threat opened for Bad Brains. Mm. And they are also known for starting the straight edge movement by accident. It wasn't that because, I think I know a little bit about this. Straight Edge was kind of born out of like, you know, oh, we want to have a place for underage kids to be able to come and like dance, you know, because we want to invite that in. And we think, you know, they, they'll like our message and, yeah. you know, and when it's like I say space for them to come and like do stuff. Yeah. But they can't come into a club because they can't serve them. So how do we solve this? Well, if we just have them put an X in the back of their hands and then we, the bartender can mm-hmm. see they're underage, they can't serve them. Well, they can still come in. Yeah, that's where the X came from. Yeah. And so the lead singer, Ian Mackay, he didn't mean to be like, hey, everyone, we're going to unite against uh, uh, against everything um he was just like i wrote a song called straight edge that was basically my philosophy on um excessive drinking and drug use and like uh promiscuous sex as well mm-hmm. and he was like i just don't like that and everyone's like same he's like, all right uh, <laughs> well you're still kids growing up and stuff maybe you should just you know yeah kind of forge your own identity in this world <laughs> we're impressionable <laughs> yeah but he wasn't like against it either because he's like notorious despite playing very loud fast angry music he was notoriously anti-violence and anti he was always like everyone come in we're only gonna pay five bucks per show that's it no merch boom come on in and so he was like 100 percent for it was he a proponent of moshing for a time and then no (laughs) so for a while he was like yeah this is fine and then he was like this is stupid the band broke up like shortly after ian mckay's brother alec went to a minor threat show and got punched in the face Mm. and then alec punched the kid back and like they got in a real scuffle and ian was like i'm a fucking bad influence this sucks Mm. and the band at that point was already having like kind of a tumultuous time but he was just like fuck this i'm out (laughs) (laughs) and then they were they were done but they're they're notable for that and the straight edge as well as like they were fairly like 
the media was portraying American punk and hardcore at that point as like this violent, angry section of the universe mm-hmm. um, that should be feared. And yes, moshing is probably pretty violent, but also these most a lot of the DC bands were like, nah, we're not into that. But the media said that, and then that kind of attracted a lot of like, if you listen to the um, Dead Kennedys, they have a song called Nazi Punks Fuck Off. They're mm-hmm. a California band, yeah. but they have a song where they're just like, these fucking assholes keep coming to our shows and we hate them. Go away. Yeah. Nobody wants you here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would just keep doing it because they're just like violence. And they're like, you're not pure white. And they're like, stop saying that. <laughs> Go away. And so there was these like this problem um, at the at this time. So Minor Threat was kind of experiencing this, and a lot of bands were like, "We are we the problem? Like, is that what's happening?" Yeah. And so this kind of magical, legendary moment in DC hardcore happened, and it was called the Revolution Summer. I'm so all about this. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and basically, well, you will be. Maybe you won't be in a minute. Okay. Um, well, it sounds promising. It's so cool. <laughs> So basically, yeah, a lot of these bands got together and like this, a lot of the, like the musicians in general were like, this sucks. We hate this. Let's stop being like that. We want to play the music we want to play, but it doesn't have to be just like all anger and aggression. It should be like emotional, vulnerable, still loud, still angry, still great, but like real shit, not just sort of like attracting oi punks to fucking punch other people. <laughs> and so bands like um, Rights of Spring, which a guy named Guy Picciotto was like a, a lead person of as well as Ian McKay started a new band, which was also known as Embrace, to kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit. Yeah, I they, do love that a band called Rights of Spring was anti-riot in shows because the original Rights of Spring oh, yeah. uh, caused riots uh-huh. at their shows. I, I, love the, I love the Rights of Spring, the musicals, like or the no, it's a ballet, right? Yeah. Uh, how people were just like, what the fuck is this? Let's kill people. People fought duels in the audience they of that. They fucking hated it so yeah, much. That was an, that was, that you was had my, an episode. I did. A while ago, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so they named it after that. Obviously, they were kind of like the the vanguard of like this movement. Yeah, where they were just sort of like the most emotional, screamy band. And this is unfortunately also the origin of the term emo. <laughs> <laughs> this this summer is when emo they called it emo hey. core. Hey man, came into a thing. Hey man, I listen to say anything. I I, <laughs> I ain't got no beef with it. Hey, emo. no, yeah. no, but it's like that sort of nebulous term that like. People just were like, no, oh, stop calling us that. Not, <laughs> like immediately upon its origin, people were like, that's not, not what we want. <laughs> you don't want to be associated with Nazis. Yeah. You don't want to be called emos. Yeah. 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 Well, what? Would you want to be called crypunks? Like, oh, no. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, like one guy in the corner is like real wet face. He's like, yes. <laughs> That sounds like a rallying cry, you know, like, cry punk. (laughs) (laughs) Cry punk and let loose the tears of war. (laughs) As we dance the rites of spring. (laughs) Make sure to hydrate. (laughs) (laughs) And in this this sort of, like, time frame, there was embrace, there was rites of spring, uh, there was the... (laughs) 
brief um, reunion of the band with one of the worst slash best names, Happy Go Licky. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I hate I'm that. Gonna, that sounds like it could be a best. little, t- that sounds like it should be a little puppy daycare. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. I would, I would absolutely patronize a puppy daycare called Happy Go Licky. <laughs> I would buy a puppy. Just, yeah, just to put him in that daycare. Yeah, Happy Go Licky. Yeah, yeah, but or, been, uh, or maybe like a dog cafe. Like a cat cafe, Ooh. but for dogs. Happy go licky. Dog cafe. Yeah, that needs to be a thing that exists. It is a thing yeah. that exists. It does. Yeah. Shit, I'm leaving. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm going to the dog cafe. But the outside of those bands, kind of like influencing stuff. There was also a from this a small like kind of organization popped up called Positive Force, mm-hmm. which was they were like booking a lot of like uh, like protest shows and stuff, um, and they did two notable things. Number one. They had a drum protest to protest apartheid. Mm-hmm. So they just went out front of the South uh, the South African embassy and just were like, for like 24 hours. And they would just like rotate in and just drum forever. It's effective. Wait, so did they, during this transition, did a lot of the bands, did they change the messaging and styling of their lyrics? Did they completely like reimagine and like rename themselves? Like... So there How were much like, of a... it was a lot of like new bands, but like people who had been in the scene. But, okay. but yes, they did kind of change their lyrics a lot. Like For Want Of is like a pretty notable Rites of Spring song that's just like about being the saddest boy in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and then to... they don't want to be called emo. Uh, no, they're like, we're not emo, but like I'm so sad. It's um, emotional. From where music. I'm standing, things don't seem happy go lucky to me. <laughs> <laughs> Floating out in the space. <laughs> See, they I, seem sad go cry. I was hoping that this summer like thing where everything changed, it would have been this like elaborate Scooby Doo like plan where they set up a decoy, <laughs> like the great this is the Woodstock of punk, and it's just like a total decoy. <laughs> Sure, the neo-Nazi guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like, there's a bunch of porta potties, and all the porta potties have like swastikas on them. <laughs> They're like, come in here, yeah. and, and then, then they just yeah. tr- lock the door and push them down a hill. Well, <laughs> well, well, have at them, Howard. <laughs> a <little> too loud. <laughs> but like, uh, as an example, like there was a song by Minor Threat that was like betray. It was like, how dare you, you fucking asshole! Like that's a whole thesis of the song. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a lot of the Revolution Summer intentionally to be like, fuck off you violent pricks like we're the sad boys go away we don't want you and you want like a lyric from deeper than inside is and you wonder how lost inside can be of course he's screaming this but like when you say it gently yeah. you wonder how, how lost, lost inside, inside can, can be. be you're like oh my god he's and, he's feels things mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> can we all go around say that line in the least punk way yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes yeah and you wonder how lost inside could be. And you wonder how lost inside can be. And you wonder how <laughs> lost inside could be. And you wonder how lost inside could be. <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah, it's a great line. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a great song. Uh... Not the way we sing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Positive Force, uh, they protested apartheid with the drum thing. They also, so there's this weird moment where Operation Desert Storm started, mm-hmm. right? But they, Positive Force was planning to do kind of a similar, like, concert slash drum annoying thing in front of, like, some, I think it was in front of, like, 
on the some part in Washington. I don't mm-hmm. remember. But they were going originally to just have a protest that was like, this is a band, uh, this is a show to like raise money to like for causes that help homelessness. And they were like doing that and they were like getting it all ready. They booked everyone and then fucking Operation Desert Storm happened and they're like, never mind. It's about protesting that. So they got, they got a ton of bands together and just started like uh, playing on like the steps, I believe. And we're just like fucking there in the way playing all sorts of music for another sort of like long time, like during business hours to annoy politicians <laughs> concert. Mm. The best kind of concert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um which brings me to the final band I shall be talking about. The most legendary of all DC hardcore bands, Fugazi, which is the band that most people... I don't actually know if most people know them, but like... So all of these bands I know from a Patton Oswalt bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak oh, up yeah, front yeah, yeah. about that. I <laughs> didn't know any of these bands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard of Dead Kennedys. But yeah. I know Dead Kennedys. And yeah. the Ramones. I've heard of them. Yeah. 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 yeah, Dead Kennedys and Ramones. And but, yeah. actually, yeah. And also my fiance is, has recently gotten super into punk. Yeah. Uh, and so she's out. been... And she's also the kind of person who goes and like reads the Wikipedia page for all the bands she gets into. It's so, so, she's so been, fun. She's been just telling me all this stuff. So yeah, I got a little bit of brain tape about yeah. this. So after Revolution Summer happened, none of these bands lasted. They all were like one year-ish and then done. They all broke up. Um, It was just sort of this magical moment in like uh, history where hardcore just decided to kind of change itself. And that's when the origin of both emo but also post-hardcore kind of happened. So like now hardcore punk has like had its moment. So now they're going to like branch out. And Fugazi is the quote-unquote first post-hardcore band. Their first album, 13 Songs which I think the first EP was Margin Walker, but um, Waiting Room is the song that, like, everyone, like, knows. There's, like, an interview with the band when they're, like, recording Waiting Room. And they, at the very beginning of the song, they, like, start a riff, and then they, like, stop for, like, 20 seconds. And then start the song again. And, like, the the producer was like, you can't leave that in there. And they were like, we think it's really funny. <laughs> like, no, you can't do, like, you'll sell no records. You'll never, you'll never, never chart. And they're like, we don't fucking care. This is punk rock. That's not what we're trying to do. Keep it in there. <laughs> so they did. The band was formed from Ian Mackay of Minor Threat. So he kind of, he came in, Joe Lally and Brendan uh, Canty, Brendan Canty, I think was happy go lucky. And then Joe Lally just appeared. Uh, he was just there. He just uh, was raised from the basement on a platform out of a trap Joe door. Joe Lally, here to play bass for you. Um, and when he was done, just descended again. <laughs> I am the second saddest boy. <laughs> um, and then also, guy Picciotto from Rites of Spring was added like kind of later. Originally it was those three and they were only playing instruments and then Guy Picciotto was like the flavor flave of punk rock where he was just there like with a microphone being like yeah (laughs) it was fucking cool but it was also like what? Like you're not the lead singer though. (laughs) Was there a singer on this album before? Yeah yeah. So Ian Mackay was quote unquote originally the lead singer. Yeah. Um, and he was on a uh, waiting room, but like the final recording, like Guy Picciotto has just been like, yeah, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> like stuff. But then he eventually would start playing guitar too. And they were just sort of like, they took all of the philosophy that had been kind of building from 
the beginning of this sort of scene and like pushed it into like its condensed moment. They were very like internally focused lyrics, like about like isolation and alienation and, and like sadness, being sad boys, as well as political outwardly too, like all the things that are wrong. They were notorious for like how they ran their shows. They never had a set list, which was weird, but they also never sold merch. All of their shows were only $5 ever, period. And it was always supposed to be all ages. They never, and they were completely against moshing. They said no violence at the show, period. They didn't have bouncers, so that's like kind of tough to be like, no violence, kick them out. So what they would do is they would just, sometimes in the middle of a song, if they noticed, they would just stop the song. And then they would just mock the guy. (laughs) There's a recording of a live show where Guy Picciotto, like, notices two people, like, uh, moshing. He's just like, you know, earlier I was over by the ice cream truck and I, like, saw these two guys and they were, like, like, eating ice cream. And I was like, wow, those guys seem like nice guys. They would never be violent. Like... (laughs) What happened, man? You were eating ice cream. No, you were eating ice cream. I saw you eating ice cream. Do you think you would be moshing if you were eating ice cream right now? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just, they were notorious for that. They they earned this reputation of being very humorless, like artistic punk rockers or whatever. (laughs) But like at their shows, they're just like, hey, Dingus, cut it out. That would have been amazing if that had started out, like, instead of, you know, kind of confronting them, they just stopped playing and kind of let the crowd, then, like, they just stopped playing and there's a sound and it goes, holy shit, they're playing Waiting Room! It's <laughs> 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 I'm picturing if they were very humorless, taking the time to be like, look at this man. Look at this man. He has forgotten his place in society. <laughs> he believes that violence will bring him completion, but no, all that it brings him... His emptiness. Everyone, point at this man. Point at him. Point at him. Point at him. Use your gaze to discourage this violence. When did Ian get a British accent? I don't know. We are all saddest boys in the universe. And this is making us all sadder. Now cry with me. Cry. Cry, Cry, everyone. (laughs) Our next song is called In on the Kill Taker. Here we go. But they were notorious for all of those things and also incredibly DIY. Mm-hmm. They have uh, there's a really good documentary about them called Instrument that is nice. um, shows their <laughs> playing <laughs> instruments. Um, but it, it shows like kind of their philosophy and like how they were as as musicians. And there's like a scene in it where they're talking to the drummer Brendan Canty. And, like, the, the, the guy behind the camera is just like, so is it true that, like, you guys are, like, so anti-consumerist that, like, you don't turn the heat on? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always cold. You think I drum because I want to drum? I drum because I'll freeze otherwise. <laughs> I drum to keep myself warm at night. <laughs> now let's protest apartheid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and they had yeah. like seven to eight albums that just like were huge, like paradigm shifts in um, uh, punk rock and um, mm-hmm. uh, broke up their last album. They had an album called End Hits that people were like, oh, my God, that's their last album. Because, again, they have a really dry sense of humor that no one seems to get. Yeah. And then the next one was called Argument. But End Hits came out and people were like, oh, my God, Fugazi's over. Oh, God, what are we going to do? <laughs> And then argument came over. I was like, no, it's not. He was like, oh, we're influencing what we're doing. <laughs> like, uh, 
It's fantastic. Yeah. So that's the that's the uh, uh, very brief history of DC Punk through four bands. So was this a time in punk when there were like all the different types of like punk? Your the way you dressed was very specific and sent a very specific message depending on like how like wide your suspenders were and shit like that. <laughs> Um, I would say the beginning of the hardcore scene okay. was like everyone wearing leather jackets and like studded stuff. That was a bit more of like a Boston hardcore invention. Okay, um, but with DC Punk, they still had that. Like, there's this, uh, there's the picture of the the final like release for Minor Threat where it's like Ian Mackay like crossing his arms and like pouting on a stoop, and he's wearing his leather jacket with studs on it. Mm. So, um, but it. That was also sort of part of the reaction to Revolutionary Summer, too, where or the Re- the Revolution Summer, where it was like, anyone can be whatever the fuck they want. Stop policing who's the right person mm. to be here. Which also, the other thing I forgot to mention, the riot girl movement, i.e. like girls in punk rock kind of sp- spawned from a lot of that Revolution Summer stuff, too. Because it was just sort of like, you don't have to be this white kid with a shaved head and like a leather jacket and a bad mood to be <laughs> a punk. <laughs> like, Sick. Yeah. If you had a punk band, what would you call it? Happy Go Lucky 2. Lick Harder. <laughs> lick Harder. <laughs> Ele- electric Boogaloo. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, oh, a little puppy in a studded leather jacket comes out. That would be our... That would be on... Licking I, people who are fighting. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I can't. Stop it. Well, be like the person those... this puppy wants you to be. <laughs> puppy is violently anti-consumerist so anti- this is a leftist pup <laughs> this pup believes communism was fine <laughs> this dog's a tangy how do you feel what about that oh my god uh, and yes, yes it is insufferable <laughs> mm. squeaky soul doors <laughs> <laughs> because like you can still move them but you're gonna hear the soul yeah, in the yeah, door yeah. yeah and you know that it needs fixing but who has the time <laughs> so yeah and you gotta you gotta you gotta you got a single called wd-40 yeah with like a question mark yeah <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, well i was in two bands <laughs> and I can tell you they're terrible names. Um, yes, I'll, I'll go from least terrible to most terrible. Uh, the least terrible one was Fog Spot, which people were like, "Fog Hat?" And like, "No, Fog Spot." <laughs> and they're like, "Why are you, you from DC?" No, oh. I'm not. I'm from Boston, uh, or from like the suburbs of Boston. Mm-hmm. You know that thing where it's like, "Where are you from?" Oh, I'm from Abington. Where's that? Uh, Boston. I don't know. <laughs> but we called it Fog Spot because at one point. There was a like someone put a drink on it on the drum and then took it off. It was like, hey, look, a fog spot. And we're like, hey, that's a great name. <laughs> and then we we would all wear brown shirts and jeans. Oh, that's a brown bad shirt. look. It was such a bad look. It was so Why bad. brown? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's never a color. Anyone was like, you know what? My favorite T-shirt is my brown T-shirt. <laughs> oh wait, no. There's okay. So I was in three bands. So I was okay. going to the next. Worst, least worst one. Mm-hmm. The next least worst one. I love that you forgot the third band because it was that bad. No, <laughs> Go the, on. Was, or is that was, forgettable? Actually, I liked it. It's just we didn't ever settle on a name. Ah. The name we almost settled on was Captain Passenger. 
I like that. That was like, we were like, this is fun. That's a nice oxymoron. And we had we had a very the lead singer just kept screaming about whales in a song. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Uh, oh my god, uh, I gotta I gotta find these band camps. Um, although <laughs> they did not last, they were before band camp. Okay, yeah. And then I believe a couple of those people like left and then like are now like touring musicians doing stuff. So oh, awesome. I just kind of went a different. We all diff- went different ways. Sure, sure. But the worst one. Mm. Oh boy. Oh boy. Buckle up. Oh boy. This is when I was like, I am emo. Ooh. It was called. Uh... <laughs> oh, this is such a good sign. <laughs> it was called. I can't hype this up enough yeah. now. <laughs> Broken on the balcony. Oh, yeah. Oh, you might as well call it how to weep the weepy weep way. Yeah. How can how how can to be sad? Um, we played one show. Uh-huh. Um, uh. It was after a band. We were like, people went to go see this band. Mm-hmm. I forget their name. They were just like a local thing that people were like, yay, and they played in a basement. And then like they went and played, and then like, um, <laughs> we we were like, yeah, that's fun. And then there was like a period of time, and then like the lead singer was like, hey, can like we play? And they're like, yeah, sure. Um, and so like we started playing. Uh, and like, first of all, monitors were pretty bad. Yeah. We couldn't really hear ourselves, but also our music was bad. So, um, <laughs> oh, no. we started oh, playing and no. people just started leaving. Oh, uh, and that no. was the last day of broken on the balcony. Oh, oh it hurt our feelings so much. Yeah. <laughs> and you so were already much. sad boys. We were the saddest boys. <laughs> we were on the edge Yeah, and uh, we're about to break oh, Lincoln uh, Park. Uh, <laughs> But I guess, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Should I still answer the hypothetical? I think the real one's good. You've I lived think it. You've I lived it. it. You've lived, lived this hypothetical. It, Broken yeah. on the balcony. Oh. <laughs> the reunion tour, it's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. The reunion tour where you just walk into a room and everyone leaves. Everyone leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That reunion tour happens a lot. Yeah. I, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why like Broken on the Balcony is funny as a... As a band name, but like as an album title or a song title, you'd be like, "Oh, that's great! Yeah, that's great. it's honestly that's a, not a bad song. I, that's it's a clear, a distinct idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> imagining like this weird juxtaposition because usually it's like the whole. Uh, I guess like it makes me think of those like widow balconies or something. Like yeah, all the Widow's like the, like kind of just like the. the you know, kind of dangerous, rickety, broken <laughs> balcony. But in this case, the balcony is perfectly fine. It's just a man with a broken. Ah! Ah! How did this happen? Why did I expose myself to the elements for so long? How did ah. I get up here? <laughs> oh my! He just he just has an umbrella that just like doesn't close properly. It's like ah, oh, it's broken <laughs> on this balcony. Oh, I'm stuck on the balcony. Uh, Jackie. Oh, I, I didn't come up with an answer for my own question. Mm. I'm gonna pass. No. 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 That's is that it? I'm yes, gonna pass. That's I'm, it. Gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. <laughs> that's a fun name. It's a fun it's name. Non-violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Other songs you like violence? I'm gonna I'm pass. Gonna pass. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Consumerism? I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. pass. Parthide? I'm, I'm gonna pass, pass on Parthide. <laughs> I know it's a popular choice. I'm passing on it. <laughs> there are there are some terrible band names, and I'm gonna pass is not one of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Best one. <laughs> It's not you got the worst. Your brown vest on. There you go. <laughs> You're ready for a show, Jackie. Let's go. I just don't have any musical talent. Yeah, and then when people, if people start walking out, you'd be like, "Oh, so I guess you are pro, like insert whatever the show." Wow, this is more about you than about me. 
Are you all going to the uh, apartheid store right now? Are you all going to the you desert store? You go spend store? money on well, apartheid. Well, too bad because we broke that store yeah. on the balcony. Are <laughs> I think you got something, Jackie. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass. Thanks. All right, we're gonna take a quick break in the middle of this episode. Welcome to the break. Now, to us around the table, nothing's changed. But to you, you're in the magical land of where we talk about the stuff we need to promote here. <laughs> you know, maybe leave us one of those reviews. You know, uh, it'd be nice. You know, just uh, just tell your friends about us. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like I don't need to elaborate on that. Uh, uh, you may notice that we've been gone for a while. Uh, hi, we're back from this hiatus. Uh, I took a hiatus so that because we all got busy. And also I, I was making a radio play with some people. And that took up all of my time. And I would not have time to do research or edit so did that that's gonna be coming out in december look for true tales of the illuminati it's a audio comedy about conspiracies gone wrong basically following an evil leslie nope and her team as they fuck up conspiracies throughout history and uh, that's my shit to plug rob uh yeah sure <laughs> i'll plug it again i am part of the adventure incorporated podcast we have a four-year-long D campaign with a really rich world and a really deep cosmology mm. um uh playing with some of my best friends of all time uh, were all very, very funny and um, just like love each other and fight like family mm-hmm. and uh, in real world and not. <laughs> uh, but we we've really put a great show together. Um, we really, really, really are proud of it. Mm-hmm. And this, there's a lot of content to dig into. Yeah, there's like uh, what, 150 episodes now. We're we're approaching 200. 200. Um, damn. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we are. It's it's a really deep story and you can. Um, Get it on Podbean mm-hmm. or any sort of uh, podcatcher. Podcatcher, right on. Yeah, uh, I I really like the show. I'm very behind. It's uh, okay, but uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. They've got a fun world. I've read the setting document. Uh, you did. Yeah, you you were you were a guest on it once and schooled us on it. Yeah, we I knew more about world. your world than you. Well, I was very we were, proud. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, we were we we did a side story with Max <laughs> and like a different part of the universe, yeah. a different part of the world, and then like. We were very fixated on Bradmont at that point. Because, yeah, sure. And no. then, like, Look, you can make every excuse you want. The oh, fact of the matter is, <laughs> yeah, also, you didn't know anything about the vampire nobility. <laughs> you didn't know anything about also uh, the, the most notorious moment of the of Max's uh, appearances, which was that the player Steph took turn uh, being a DM mm-hmm. and like was like, "Hey, is this puzzle too hard?" And like gave me the puzzle because I wasn't going to be in it. Yeah, and um. And I was like, yeah, I think it's a little tricky. Like, you should kind of, like, make it a little easier. And she's like, all right. And then, like, the game happens. And before she can even finish saying the riddle, Max solves it. (laughs) (laughs) So, she was so mad at me. She took, like, a five, ten minute break after that. She was so mad at me. I was so, I was like, I'm just bad at puzzles. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I listened to a a riddle podcast called Hey Riddle Riddle. (laughs) Oh, that's fair. Oh Christ! What am I? <laughs> go listen Wait, to hey, Riddle Master. Do, do they just go through riddles? They or solve riddles. Talk about so they, they. It's like a yeah. They solve riddles. They go through riddles. None of them are very good at riddles. Okay. <laughs> they try and solve riddles, and then they do like improv scenes based on the riddles because riddles have ridiculous premises. <laughs> yeah. 
so uh, they have a fun time playing through, you know, the uh, the very uh, the like, logic of the, uh, yeah, the internal we're logic take of these prisoners. We're gonna put different colored hats on them. <laughs> exactly. And if they can guess the colors of their hats, they all we let all these dangerous criminals go free. You've 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 put your thumb right on it. It's a great podcast. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. So yeah, check out Adventure Inc. It's uh, it's it's wonderful. It's a it's a real blast. Uh, they're real funny, real a lot of heart, uh, and there's so much of it. There's so while so you're much. waiting for us to you know make more episodes, go listen to them. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big it's a it's a, it's a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are intimidated by that, we also have yearly recaps. If you want to just kind of like listen to a few episodes, listen to that, and then be like, cool, I'm caught up. Yeah, so. yeah, which is definitely a big feature that more podcasters have. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like the anime recap episode. Where oh like, yeah, I'm just coming to join. Oh shit, it's a clip show. <laughs> God damn it, Naruto. <laughs> I wanted to know what happened to Sasuke. <laughs> Sasuke. Do you, do they kiss? I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> Jackie Noel, anything you want to plug? Yeah. Um, Improvised History, my improv group that does historical-based comedy. We are doing a new theme of for this season where <laughs> it's about wild, wild west and trains and Whoa. homesteading and all that stuff. Ooh, so trains. it should be really fun. It's the first Friday of the month in the Democracy Center in Harvard Square. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go see it. I, I guarantee Scott Istvan will pretend to fuck a train. That is my guarantee to you, the listener. It hasn't happened yet this it's season. It's going to. It's going to happen. But it's going to happen. <laughs> oh. I know Scott. He's going to fuck a train. He's going to fuck a train. <laughs> he's, the, he's, plan- he's waiting for his moment. Yeah. yeah he's he's going to ask for consent for the train. He's going to court that train. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to just take out, have a fancy vest and take out an old-timey pocket watch and just go, yep. It's time. It's time. <laughs> Looks like this Talk train is going to come on time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Did gonna... you pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a free show. Oh, come on like down. 10 a.m. to Pound Town has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> the closer you are to the, tr- the ride, the more you have to pay. So if you know it's going to happen, <laughs> as early as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh. Noel, anything to plug? Nope. Not following that, because that's the. It's that's, supposed to be a family-friendly show. So not, not, not. Not following that. that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's plug get it anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> the cat. Uh, yeah. So I'm in uh, comedy sports, Boston. Uh, we uh, have shows that I am in some of the time. We have about eight shows a month every Friday and Saturday at the uh, Rosy Square Theater down in Roslindale. Um, so I'll be in some of those shows. Some of them not. It's a good time either way. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll be there. Wonderful. Wonderful. Also, yeah. And also, Noel is one of the voices, one of the characters in True Tales of the Illuminati. Plays. Yeah. 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 He's, uh, if you want to hear him act, uh, go either go to see the comedy sports or listen to True Tales. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, now that now that our plugs are done, let's get back to the history. Okay. And we're back. No time seems to have passed for us, <laughs> but for you out there, there will have been a, a short musical sting <laughs> to let you know that it, that this is the point you can skip to if you don't want to listen to our plugs. <laughs> oh, but they missed out. They missed out. That they was, missed out. That was, that was a good plug. That was, those were fun. Good we had plugs. fun time. Yeah. Strong plugs. <laughs> yeah, that train's going to need earplugs. Oh. Oh, you don't get that reference? <laughs> Maybe you should listen to the plugs. <laughs> uh, so, Jackie. So... I can't help it, guys. I'm obsessed with utopias. We were gonna have to. 
we were going to have a Utopia specific episode, but I, we, I couldn't wait. But we wait. just keep we keep not remembering. We to keep do that. not remembering to do it and not organizing. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. Yeah. Fruitlands. Mm-hmm. Utopia. Mm-hmm. In this very state. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist anymore. So. In Massachusetts? In Massachusetts. Mm. Massachusetts. Fruitland. Fruitland. So we're saying, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I'm down. I like fruit. Everyone likes fruit. Who <laughs> doesn't like fruit? Actually, uh, Kate's uh, brother-in-law doesn't like fruit. What? My, my fiance's brother doesn't like any fruit. There's such variety. He doesn't like it. Hmm. Huh. Like strawberry. Doesn't like strawberry. Like He likes vegetables. He just doesn't like fruit. What a... What a ding dong. Wait, so what, like, <laughs> when you get into, like, uh, you know, uh, plantains and bananas, things that are technically fruit, but sort of okay, have bananas are fruit. Bananas. No, I mean, they, they are fruit, <laughs> but they, bananas don't are fruit. That, they don't have that kind of, like, citrusy or super sweet berry flavor. Like uh, Bananas are sweet fruits. I mean, no, but they, yeah, I know you know what I'm talking about. You're talking about plantains. Yeah. Well, those are starches. So, like, plantains closer to a potato. Okay. How does he feel about those? I don't know. I haven't asked. Oh, my God. Ask him. And then let me know. Jo- uh, Pause the podcast. <laughs> uh, Josh, if you're listening to this, uh, please, I'm sorry, but next time we hang out, uh, we're going to talk about if you like plantains. Um, oh, he's probably so tired of defending how much he doesn't like fruit. Oh, absolutely. He's in his 40s. Yeah, he's he's tired oh, of it. <laughs> he's in his 40s and yeah. he's a picky eater? Jeez. Okay. Well, let's not let's not throw shade on... Nope. Too late. It's happening. I'm the guest. Let's not throw shade on... Respect me. <laughs> right. I've started us off on the wrong foot. <laughs> it must be really hard defending an indefensible position. He's, <laughs> he's a very nice man. <laughs> just, just, he doesn't like fruit. That's okay. We're incorrectly <laughs> emphasizing the fruit of fruit. <laughs> That's not the interesting part. <laughs> yeah. So what is the interesting part of Fruitlands, if not the fruit? So the man behind Fruitlands is Amos Bronson yeah. Alcott, the father of Lisa May Alcott. Mm. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. She's the one who wrote that quote that I said earlier about this, the oh. wise people doing foolish things. Okay. That's a paraphrase of her quote. Fruitlands was intended to be this transcendentalist utopia Mm -hmm. and in the 1830s transcendentalism was proliferating in new england it was our own movement it was kind of like people were very worried about how the world was industrializing and they really wanted this kind of like movement back to nature and finding god in nature Mm -hmm. and they felt that society and society's institutions and industrialism were kind of like bringing people away from nature and God and that the way to, um, you know, become better and was, closer to God was through coming closer to nature. To live in a cabin by a lake uh, and to have your mother do your laundry and bring you sandwiches. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. The the man you're referring to was transcendent. <laughs> Henry David Thoreau. Henry David Thoreau. Thoreau yeah. <laughs> his mother did his laundry? And I brought him I food. Did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, a, what a poser. <laughs> He's real ding-dong. <laughs> yeah. Real ding-dong. So you've kind of already pointed out the limitations of this <laughs> philosophy <laughs> or the people who were trying to make this philosophy a thing was really they had very lofty, lofty ideas and idealism. And so much laundry and, <laughs> for and, their mother to do. No, no accounting for the practicality of living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure. So that that's... That's really what Fruitlands we've come so far over <laughs> boiled down to. We've come so far over thousands of years through our uh, our sense of industry and, and innovation. Let's throw it all out, guys. Uh, uh, 
they have a point. Nature's great. We yeah, shouldn't yeah. lose tra- lose sight of nature. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's not let's not throw the banana out with the bathwater. I've, I've watched Princess Mononoke. I get the yeah. Huity. Yeah, listen, we've all watched the Miyazaki classic Princess, Princess Mononoke. Mononoke. We all have. We all have. It's wonderful. We get it. No, no. you haven't. Ponyo. Ugh, the worst one. So Mr. Alcott was a transcendentalist. He was also a teacher. He was one of those people who had great ideas, but had a really hard time holding down a job. His calling was teaching. He had this philosophy that you should follow the interests of children and that children were not like tainted yet by society. And they have all these beautiful intuitions and you should really encourage those. So he got in trouble when he was a teacher because he would follow children's ideas and curiosity down to whatever they wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. So he would tell them things people would find inappropriate, like where babies come from and things like that. And he also so invited a black student into school. And once that happened, almost everyone else dropped out of the school and he lost his job. And cool dude ahead of his time. Yeah. He would be a prov- very progressive teacher. Yeah. And just society wasn't, wasn't, wasn't ready for it. Wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So he was a handyman. But after it that. was society who was wrong. Oh, yes. In, in the two cases that I just <laughs> talked about, society, it was, society was, wrong. was wrong. Yeah. Society was wrong. But he was a great speaker. He was a prolific writer, though no one really read anything he wrote. <laughs> Probably helped with being so prolific. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people read stuff. Just not all of it. You sure, know? sure, sure. So he got the idea for this utopia in 1841. Mm. And his ideas, they were also picked up by a group of people in England who had started their own community called the Alcott House. So he was like, I have an idea for a utopia. I'm going to go to Alcott House and try and recruit people to come to my utopia. From their crummy utopia to my good utopia. Yeah, it was very strange. (laughs) He was like picking from another utopia. But this was a time of utopias. In Massachusetts at the time, there were like three or four utopias. There were um, the Shaker communities that we've talked about on Mm -hmm. this podcast before. Mm -hmm. Something called um, Brook Farm. And then I think the other one... That was all kind of competing for the same population who were in the market for utopias. <laughs> it was Hopedale. Mm. So. I'm, in, I'm in the market for a fine utopia. What? Uh, where can I find ten utopias? <laughs> hmm, what's this? Uh, and in this one, do I get to keep my genitals? <laughs> I do like them. I would. It's not. Now it's, it's not a. Uh, it's not a hard and fast rule. I could be. I could be persuaded. I could it's not be a. Persuaded. It's not a. Uh, it's not a deal breaker. Yeah, but some good-looking uh, trains that were made. <laughs> Now in the mid nineteenth century, how many do I get to make a mechanical ma- Jesus in? Hmm? <laughs> Almost done. Just, uh, just the one, really. <laughs> John Murray Spear. Okay, I'm gonna go listen back. Yeah. <laughs> so Henry David Thoreau, who we talked about earlier, he had he had this wonderful quote about all the utopias that were popping up, where he said, "I think I had rather keep Bachelor's Hall in Hell than go to board in Heaven." Mm. So rather rather party in hell <laughs> than have to live with other people in heaven. <laughs> Yo, same. Yeah, wicked same. Henry David Thoreau. <laughs> I, I get it, Thoreau. Yo, I get it. He's gonna be alone except for his mom doing his laundry. I just want to be alone except mom. More more mom. pizza rolls. <laughs> like, oh my! Like, mom, I'm having a utopia downstairs. Mom, I need to. I need to discuss and observe nature. Uh, Mom. I'm hungry. Uh, Mom, shut up. Uh, I'm on the universe. Shut up. Shut up, Mom. <laughs> uh, 
I'm trying to write Walter Bond. Shut mom, up, mom. mom, I'm stinky. Thank, thank, thank you for the underwear, Mom. Thanks, Mom. And, and for the Totino's pizza rolls. I love you, Henry. <laughs> I love you too, Mom. <laughs> Give me a kiss. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love you, Mom. I love you. I love you too. Oh, my mom's such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> He's just talking like a squirrel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so in 1842, Mr. Alcott goes mm-hmm. to England and he mm-hmm. goes to the Alcott house and he manages to convince one person, Charles Lane, to come to the United States and do this utopia with him. So Charles brings his son and they come to the U.S. And Charles buys a plot of land in Harvard, Massachusetts. It's 14 miles away from Concord. So it's not Harvard like Harvard Square Harvard, but it's it's in rural Massachusetts. So Charles has to pay for it. And Mr. Alcott's wife, Abby, she comes from a very rich family. And that's where Mr. Alcott actually got his teaching position that he ultimately had to give up because he invited a black student. Um, so anyway, her brother ends up also footing the bill but he does it on like a a payment plan he doesn't outright buy it so he he wants to support them but he's like i've seen i've seen what happens when amos (laughs) tries to do things (laughs) so i'm not going all in there's some subtle racism hidden in there (laughs) i've seen what he's trying to he brings in the wrong people like oh yeah 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 Basically, no. old people were incredibly racist. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The past is not a nice place. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's not, it's not great. Despite all the utopias for sale. Yeah, utopias <laughs> really sound like timeshare. Yeah, so. they really do. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. You can sell the same plot of land 15 times to crazy people. <laughs> How idyllic. <laughs> yes. And they'll all make furniture for you to sell. It's great. <laughs> So actually, this one's a little different. They wanted to separate themselves from the economy entirely. Mm. They wanted to be entirely self-sufficient with no interaction with anyone else. But they saw themselves as being more of a model for society rather than being a reclusive society. They were something separate, but that they wanted everyone else to emulate. Yeah, like a city on a hill kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they envisioned that they would have hard work by day, philosophical discussion at night, and then they would go on speaking tours to promote their way of life. I love it <laughs> i love this i love this so much just like all day laboring and then in the evening like finally time to party down and talk about what was the exact idea behind jesus's sermon on the mount so it was similar to that they yeah. would they would work during the day and yeah. then in the evening they would say oh what do you think is the best ideal for a person to have or the work best all quality day, argue all night and then yeah, they baby. would yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. argue debate and think about these issues that, all night long. That actually Farm does sound and pretty debate. fun. Yeah. That's all I need. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the expectation that this would be a place of farm work, literary pursuits, and philosophical discussions. They would wake up early, take cold baths, specifically cold. Mm. Um, <laughs> Helps the circulation and keeps you from getting lost in thought. So they also... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it's, it's about the notes you don't hit. <laughs> that was the jazz of jokes yeah thank you (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they had very specific standards of living this was a vegetarian society Mm -hmm. um actually vegan too because they they didn't want to exploit the labor of animals so they actually didn't have any animals on this Mm -hmm. farm they didn't you know drink milk eat eggs they didn't use wool because they didn't want to pollinated all their plants using paintbrushes. They didn't go so far as that. I okay. think they let the bees do their thing naturally. Okay, okay. <laughs> as long as the bees are doing it for, for themselves. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't use wool because 
Because they were exploiting an yeah. animal. So yeah. what did they... Because, like, in modern time, the alternatives are, like, poly... Like, fake leather fake this fake whatever what yeah. were their what were their alternatives to well, like prob- wool and leather probably and cotton so cotton actually yeah, not cotton because Ooh. they were such an idealistic and progressive thinking society that they didn't want to rely on cotton because it relied on slave labor uh, so thatch they wore linen <laughs> bark linen oh, linen oh, no this is good not a utopia beautiful so, in the summer wrinkly summer. wrinkly but beautiful in the summer not so great in the winter mm. so, well at least they weren't in you know some place that gets really fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, so to so that is this is a preview of issues to come. <laughs> the other issue is that they didn't move out onto this farm until May, which is, you know, a little too late to set up your harvest to be good. Yeah. And they also wanted to be self-reliant, not use animals. So they were doing all of their farming by hand using spades and oh, not wow. even using like oxes to plow the dirt. Oh yeah. So they were like, like self-plowing that. stuff, like pulling oh, them behind. Jesus. Oh my goodness. Like sometimes yeah. you got to get to that ideal state. Like it's, it's a transition. It's not just a light switch that you're like, oh yeah. We're done. We're yeah, good. We're they, perfect. They didn't think that through so much. I think the first group who went out to the farm was about 14 people, or that was their highest number. So they didn't really think through the practicalities of the farm. They more liked the idealism and like the idea of creating this nice society. So a few of the people that they brought, the main people were Lane, his son, Alcott, his wife, Abby, and five of their children, including Lisa Mae Alcott, who was around 10 at the time. And then they had a couple other people with them as well, but they had a, some difficulty in retaining people. So people would be there for a little while and then leave, maybe come back. Find New some skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> so you may notice that um, none of the people I've mentioned have experience with farming. Yeah. Um, There's a real, oh. <laughs> they're really focused on the debate part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They really were much more focused on the philosophical When do you lifestyle. think we'll die? <laughs> Well, it depends on if we get this harvest in. Perhaps perhaps if we argue at the vegetables, they'll grow. (laughs) I know that corn is vulnerable to the dialectic. (laughs) So it's it's got ears to listen. Uh. (laughs) So in terms of not thinking through things, they also had strange ideals about food beyond the vegetarian and veganism, which, you know, I think those are all familiar to us. We understand like, okay, that makes sense. You don't want to exploit animals, understand why you don't want to eat animal products. But some of the people who were living on the farm decided that they only wanted to eat aspirational vegetables, meaning... (gasps) What does that mean? It's vegetables that grow up towards heaven. Oh, that's so... So limited. It's so, so stupid. So, you know, Corn. when you think of New England and you think of surviving the winter, what are the foods people are Potatoes. Eating? Potatoes. Potatoes. Radishes. Radishes. Uh, Beets. Carrots. Beets and carrots. Turnips if you're upset. Yeah. Um, Which you will all be because you're eating turnips. All of these are lowly vegetables. <laughs> yeah, you and I need to have it out about turnips. <laughs> In the dirty, dirty earth. In the dirty, dirty earth. They grow, they grow towards hell. Yeah. So <laughs> they, they did not any. plant these no staple crops, crops. that yes. grow oh. like not even brussels sprouts too then right brussels sprouts grow up no, they grow up they grow they're, up. Aspirational. they're aspirational but it, they're beautiful they're great time passed and people realized this was not a great thing so they decided that they would grow these Good. vegetables yeah. but for a while they these did not hellish vegetables <laughs> so this is such a case of people with great 
exciting ideas that are, have no practical. I don't know practical. about great ideas. <laughs> exciting ideas. That exciting, one, That definitely. one firmly. Like, no, the, I mean the... great in terms of like. Oh, big. You know, big, big ideas. Big ideas. Oh. Yeah. You know, idealistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, ideas. okay, okay. Because like the vegan thing makes sense. They're yeah. not growing things because they grow. <laughs> yeah, they don't grow towards heaven. I only eat like... foods that don't cast a shadow. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I, I don't know where they got that growing things up makes things better. But I mean, if you have this chance, maybe your one chance to make a quote unquote perfect society or whatever, and you're excited about it, you might start with your big ideas. You know, then that's that's what yeah. they fell into. I'm not saying I don't understand how they got there. Yeah, yeah. So when, um, when Mr. Alcott and his family set off, they left with 1,000 books, none of which were related to agriculture. Um, <gasps> oh, my God. We'll figure it out. Farmers have been they doing it. They can Google it. it. Yeah. Oh, wait. Aww. The description of them setting off was very funny. It was like, um, they had this wagon, and the younger kids were in the wagon, and some of them were walking. And like they specifically described uh, Mr. Alcott's son cradling a bust of Socrates as the wagon like bumped its way <laughs> out of Concord. This will, I'll plow with this. Oh, like, just put God. it face down. This is practical. It. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, he'll, I'll put him in the field to make sure crows don't eat so some they, food. They started in May because before oh. then, like, um, I uh, guess they like just housing didn't buy the and land. stuff was being built or like. I, there was already a farmhouse there. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so they didn't have to build a house themselves. Oh, so they kind of like bought the property. They bought the property. Okay. I think it had some fields, but they weren't in use. So they still okay. had to. Like, oh, okay. Gotcha. Right. Make them arable. Un- and unclear if they were fallow, and they wouldn't be able to tell. They don't know anything. <laughs> well, you know what? These this farm is four sided, like the devil. <laughs> Let's tear it, <laughs> tear it down. We all have read the description in Paradise Lost that describes the devil as a, as a rectangle. <laughs> well, the roof points upward, but the sides of the roof technically point downward. So we're gonna take it off. <laughs> We can only have upwards pointing roofs. This tree doesn't point <laughs> upward enough. Chop it down. Only pines. Only pines. <laughs> <laughs> but what about all these these apple trees and pe- no? no. <laughs> what was not in the Garden of Eden that an apple led us astray? <laughs> they fall down towards hell with their weight. <laughs> Burn all the orchards. Isaac Newton proved that quite recently. <laughs> Also, a lot of stuff about alchemy that I don't agree with. (laughs) So there was one man on this farm who actually knew things about being a farmer because he was a farmer. And he was also... he left in the middle. (laughs) He's like, like, I'm out of here. Peace. Mm. He was an eccentric man himself. This was a time when clean shaven was the look of the day. And this Fools. man had a large beard, and yeah. he was constantly under community pressure. Not not at this, not at Fruitlands, but outside. He was to shave his beard. I know that feel. One day, he was attacked by three local toughs, and he um, ended up stabbing one of them with a pair of scissors because they were beating him up to try and cut his beard off. Presumably, with those same. Scissors. <laughs> I assume with the same. People scissors. used to care too. Well, people still care too much about how people look. Damn. God. Yeah, it was. Just, it just sounded so ridiculous. And yeah. he was known as the martyr of the beard because he insisted he didn't <laughs> do anything a cool wrong. Title, it's very yeah. good. Yeah. That should have been the punk. Thing. That I was <laughs> gonna say, <laughs> martyr of the beard. Yeah. Yeah, their songs, no scissors, <laughs> cut this. Yeah. Jesus. Off of our, off of our debut album, Fruitland. Uh, the last, <laughs> last, the last track on the album is called "Growing Home." Growing mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So he ended up serving a year in jail because of that. Yeah. Because um, he got beat up and defended himself. Cool. Because that beard did not do him any. No, 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 no. He went into he went into court and they were like, "Oh, beard guilty." <laughs> Just like that devil. <laughs> the beard grows downwards. But towards <laughs> hell. Towards hell. <laughs> now, if he stands on his head, then perhaps the beard will grow up, but then his hair grows down. Uh, yeah, we can't is... have that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> throw, him in, oh. throw him in the clink. <laughs> so another um, interesting person who was part of this group was Samuel Bower. He was actually an Adamite, which is a nudist. He butted heads with Abby Alcott. Who yeah. Was and I've met like, a, a few other parts too. <laughs> well, Abby Alcott was the only woman on this farm, besides mm. for her children. Yeah. Three well, now I feel gross about dogs. that joke. <laughs> and she was just like, I don't want this. Please get just your naked At least down a fig there. leaf. So he decided he butted heads with Alcott so much, or Abby, about this, that he actually, during the summer months, just went off to live in the woods naked, and then he would come back at the end of the summer. I so, I kind of love that, though. Yeah. How did he... He must have been so scratched up all the time. How did he... What did he eat? Like, did he... Did nuts he and berries. He ate nuts. No, he, ate <laughs> no, he probably foraging. Like, you, if you know how to forage, you can live off the land, like... Humans were nomadic hunters yeah. and foragers for, for a long, long time. time yeah. you know? I don't remember if it was him, but there was someone else on the farm who was known to have survived on apples for a whole year and Johnny crackers Appleseed, yeah. only for and, a whole and Johnny, year. And Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Cracker Barrel. <laughs> 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 and he went through the land and he planted Cracker Barrels. And that's why they're all over the place yeah. now. <laughs> it's the first franchise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's how they got all their names in the old times. Whatever what? they ate a lot of and spread. <laughs> whatever, whatever. <laughs> this is Johnny uh, Tetanus. Uh, he ate something that had tetanus and spread it through mm-hmm. the land. Mm-hmm. And now tetanus grows. This is Johnny Herpes Mouth. <laughs> um, so another notable member of this was Anne Page. She mm. was from Rhode Island. And she's most notable for why she got kicked out. Because she was the only other woman there. But she was found to have had a secret... Baby. No, a secret block of cheese in her trunk. Oh, <gasps> that took a turn. That was not where I thought that was going. <laughs> I love that. That's why she got she got kicked out? She for, got kicked out because she, she had a... secret cheese. Secret, secret cheese. cheese. Why didn't they trunk? debate about it first? Well, because it was for clearly the against the laws of the thing. It's exploiting also, animals. Unless also, it's... Wait, like, what if it was human cheese? Is that okay? Um, um, okay, so <laughs> Abby, Abby, had, <laughs> Abby had a baby and she needed to fight Lane uh, to, to let her breastfeed. Yeah. <laughs> what was the baby supposed to That's eat for milk awful. about milk? She had to fight Lane about milk. It, I, I'm not sure if it was related to best breastfeeding okay, okay. or if it was supplementary milk from a cow, yeah. but she literally oh. got into fight a fight with Lane about this, about how they needed to be able to have milk for the baby. This also sets off that there was a lot of clashing between Abby and the other members of the Utopia of Fruitlands because Abby seemed to be the only one focused on like how do we actually run a farm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the frontal lobe for you. <laughs> Always trying to think, oh, wait, well, how do I survive? And and how do I put these puzzle pieces together? Not me. I'm a hindbrain man. I, actually, you know what? I'm occipital lobe. All about that balance and vision. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there were a lot of clashes between Abby and Lane. They were the main people. And it's unclear who was the 
the antagonist in this, though it seems more like Lane was. Though the only real written records of this we have are an account that Louisa May Alcott wrote and published in a newspaper as a short story. It was a satirical cover of the time that she spent on this farm, and everyone had like really thinly veiled pseudonyms. Mm. Like her dad was um, Mr. Lamb or something like that. Mm. It was like everyone was very identifiable. Mm. <laughs> But it really seems like Abby was the only one with a sensible head on her shoulders. Mm -hmm. Well, her and Socrates. Her and Socrates, (laughs) with which they used to plow the land. Mm -hmm. Well, they buried him and wanted to grow a wisdom tree. More more Socrateses, more busts. Mm -hmm. So at harvest time, everyone had left the farm except for Abby and the four children because the rest of them were out on speaking tours. And it was up to Abby and four children to bring in the entire barley harvest. Oh my God. And this was one of the like last straw type things for Abby. Abby, she was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Why am I the only one doing the farm work? I hate farming. <laughs> and so she wrote The Little Red Hen. <laughs> so she's told everyone she was leaving and taking the furniture, and that's kind of when it ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and no that place was... to sit and debate. <laughs> <laughs> no place to sit and debate. And also Lane, because he had fronted the money to buy the property, was like, I'm not doing any farm work. I'm a supervisor. Oof. Oh. Capitalism brings yeah. it down again. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> Classic manager. Especially because it was one of the tenants of Fruitlands that they were getting rid of property and it was supposed to be... Hip- yeah, so he was a hypocrite. Yeah. So it didn't work out. And the utopia ended in January. You know, honestly, I'm surprised it didn't work out. <laughs> 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 Who told the, the, the nudist... I, I assume, he found out when he came out. back. He was like, I assume he was back by December and January. Oh, I didn't know if he was going on speaking tours yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so either he was out in the woods and came back to it a completely abandoned farm, having not heard anyone had left on speaking tours, <laughs> or he was on a speaking tour himself. Yeah. <laughs> I want to find out what happened to this guy. I'm gonna look it up oh, well, next yeah. time. Sam Bowers, you can look him up. Sam Bowers. Sam Bowers. Um, so Charles, ancestor Lane. of Jack. <laughs> Spelled differently. It's about the notes you don't hit. Yeah. <laughs> the jazz of jokes. Uh. So Charles Lane left and he actually joined the Shaker community. Mm-hmm. And he thought that Abby was the most selfish person in the world because she wouldn't join the Shakers. And she was like, but I actually have a husband and children that I care about. Mm-hmm. So um, the Shakers lived a very separate life where the sexes were separated okay. entirely and children were like collective children of the Shakers. Okay. They weren't allowed to have children or marry. Yeah. Um, so there were no family ties in a Shaker community. Oh, weird. It was so, just like you were a Shaker. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. And they only grew by people joining the community or adopting orphans. Yeah. Oh, so they were not. <laughs> oh, so the. Oh. Yeah. That's fucking wild yeah it was really cool the reason there's not any shakers anymore huh they all died there's three left oh there's three shakers left three shakers left left. you get them to adopt you it could be four that's brutal yeah but yeah so charles lane was like you're really selfish that you and your family won't join the shakers and they let he and his son joined the shakers huh so wait and he was the one that had been first recruited from the from the alcott house in england okay and wow so he really Stuck with it. Okay. Yeah, but he was um, he was sorely disappointed because the Fruitlands farm was more like play and philosophy and then, you know, work when you feel like it, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. While the Shakers are more like work, 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 work brings you closer to God, work, 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 religion. 
Yeah. So yeah. he he didn't uh, not not satisfied. With not that. satisfied. Could have had a few more debates. More yeah. debates. Yeah. Less fruit. Mm-hmm. So I think he ultimately did leave the mm-hmm. Shakers. Yeah. And they kept making non-aspirational furniture. Yeah. All those chairs. Chairs are firmly on the ground. Do you know people used to put uh, um, stockings on chairs so that you couldn't see their legs because they thought it was too sexual? What? Yeah. Oh my god! Like it was a very brief thing, That's but it, so it's so funny. good. Did yeah. they put them on like um, claw-footed tubs as well? Yeah, because well, like, no, claw-footed because claw-foot, they're animal legs. Yeah. Oh, oh, not animal legs can't be sexy. Is that what you're suggesting me? <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. It's yeah. About the notes you don't. Have. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So it's a little bit of a debate of why they came to an end. Was it because Lane was too despotic? Was it because Abby was too despotic? Or was it, it just was Lane? It was Lane. I'm <laughs> gonna go ahead and say what it was. It was Lane. It was Lane. It was hundred percent his fault. Yeah, no no yeah. no two bones about it. <laughs> I will farm with my debates. <laughs> <laughs> or just a general lack of organization. Um, which is Lane's fault. Lane's fault, uh, yeah. He he's yeah, he's the architect of this. Yeah, he really should have done a better job. <laughs> What the yeah. fuck is, what a, I'm what still a, laughing at the dumb image dumb. of him cradling the bust Ghost of Socrates. Of <laughs> mm. like, I'm doing good. Like, <laughs> We're going to need this. Well, we had to give away the dog. <laughs> so, we got this. Take Socrates, Socrates out for a while. <laughs> Just dragging <laughs> him on a... <laughs> Hey, look, plow I the land. <laughs> Brilliant. Kill the animals. We don't need them. We don't want to subjugate them to labor. Let's kill them and not They're way them. too sexy. Let's <laughs> sexy animals. break the bathtubs, too. Oh, like, did they not break the bathtub. That's a pretty good name for a band. That's a pretty good name for a band. <laughs> So uh, it was notably one of the shortest-lived utopians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Only seven months. All over wow. yeah. a secret cheese. Yeah. Longer or shorter than Revolution Summer? Longer. Longer. Okay. Right? Because it was... So okay. Revolution Summer was the shortest was, short, Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, like, literally, like... Well, Revolution mm-hmm. Summer had an ongoing impact. Yeah. Revolution Summer, like, spilled downward. Uh, okay. I think it's a nation... Well, it, uh, it, non-aspirationally. It, yeah. It, it was inherently temporary, like... Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, so that... Yeah, I, I would say that this shortest one... Shortest utopia, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for us today here on Anachronismo. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining oh, us. Thank it was, you so it was much a for r- having me. Real blast. Until next time, I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Noel. I'm still Rob. And this Yay. has been Anachronismo. <laughs> going through of cheese. yeah everything about that was that was such a wild story I'm, I'm following up on the Sam Bowers guy because I have a feeling like he just came back he's like brought to you by make fun network <laughs>